In the photography industry, in-person sales is widely viewed as kind of the gold standard for how to sell your photography if you want to maximize profit. And, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. I did in-person sales for seven years, and it at times was very profitable. I had one repeat client who routinely spent over $5,000 every time we had a session. She would buy these large framed prints. She would buy albums. And there are other things about in-person sales that are really nice as well. Obviously, if you have clients who really need a very high-touch experience or need a lot of um, advice or if you have one of those like very special unicorn businesses, in-person sales really is kind of next level, very personal service, right? It delivers that experience. And obviously, who can deny that it's fun to watch your clients see their images for the first time, especially when they're so excited that they burst into tears and you have to like hand them the tissue box and be like, it's okay. And, uh, and that can feel really good. <laughs> I won't deny it. I do miss that a little bit. But as great as in-person sales can be, I was thinking <laughs> there's a bit of a dark side to in-person sales that nobody ever really wants to talk about. And what better time to bring it up than Halloween? So I thought perhaps we would call this episode Tales from the In-Person Sales Crypt. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. So the first tale from the in-person sales crypt that I want to tell is not so much a story as it is the thing that I realized in retrospect about in-person sales that as great as the money that was coming in was, I had never really taken the time to tabulate when it came to how much money in-person sales cost me. So obviously, no matter what kind of in-person sales system you're using or tactic you're taking, there is a certain amount of cost involved just in terms of your time. So, you know, you have to set up these meetings and that takes time. You have to get to the meeting. That takes time. The meeting itself takes time. Ordering takes time. All of those things. Sometimes they don't feel like a lot and you can be like, well, if I'm going to make a $5,000 sale, it's totally worth my time to take a few hours and go sit with somebody while they make that order. But the $5,000 sale that I'm mentioning here, even though it happened several times with that one client, it was an outlier for sure. That was not at all what I had come to expect, nor is it the market that I generally want to serve. I'm not interested in having, maybe this sounds weird, but like I don't personally have lots of big photos of my family hung over the mantle and stuff like that. And so especially because I work with clients year after year after year, I would feel kind of awkward if I walked into their houses and it was just wall-to-wall -wall photos that I had taken of their family. Don't get me wrong. I have several clients who hang their 
photos from me in prominent places, and I love that. Um, I just don't really want to hang my financial security on having clients who decorate their houses exclusively with photos of themselves. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. Um, nothing against selling those things. It's totally fine. It's just not sort of what I wanted to do. But that really was what the push of in-person sales was, was to get lots of products. The bigger the products, the better. That's how you boost those sales up. And so the time component was certainly a piece. But also when you're doing in-person sales, you usually have to have some kind of infrastructure. So I started doing in-person sales before iPads had become, they may not have even existed at that point. Um, and so I was using a projector system that ran me a good three or four grand to get like a professional projector system. And then there was a piece of software that I was using that was also quite expensive to manage the in-person sales process. Now that's all changed. And I know that some people don't use software at all, but rather have a set of like proof prints made. Um, that would probably be the cheapest way to do it. But there are different software solutions depending on how slick you want it to look. You know, obviously, if you're dealing with one of these clients that wants that unicorn experience, you can't really scrimp and do it on the cheap and, and cut corners when it comes to the presentation piece, right? That is part of that experience. Then there was the matter of where we were going to meet. And I did this every which way over the course of the seven years that I did in-person sales. I had the projector system was able to be um, transported to my clients' homes. And that was how I started doing it. So I would go to somebody's house and I would set up and um, and we would do the, the sales session in their home. And that was convenient for them, but it was less convenient for me because I was having to drive wherever they were. And the, I will be honest, it felt kind of ridiculous every time. I had somebody make a comment kind of early on <laughs> as I was setting up. And he was like, wow, this is quite the production. And I just instantly went into that place in my mind where I was like, yeah, I'm being judged for this. I feel like a vacuum cleaner salesperson. It was, um, you know, I'm making like eight trips out to my car to get the projector and the screen and my samples and my laptop and all those things. Anyway. And then, of course, at the end, I had to break all that down. And depending on who the client was and how comfortable I was with them, sometimes I just felt like I was in their way at that point. So the but regardless of all of that, the the cost of going to someone's house was was that. But again, it was convenient for me to go to them because that usually allowed them to schedule with the most ease. Once I had been doing in-person sales for a while, I rented a studio with the idea that like, wow, this is going to be so much easier and more professional to have people come to my studio to meet me there. And I can have all of my samples set up nicely. I can show them what like a large print on the wall actually looks like. It's going to be, you know, it's going to give them this experience. And that was great, but it also cost me $1,000 a month just to have that space. It also wasn't in my home, and I know some people do have like a home-based studio space, and that's great, but I don't and didn't. And so I had this additional rent uh, cost that I had to maintain. And then because I was hosting them, I also had this feeling that like I need to, if they're coming in the evening, maybe I offer them wine or, you know, in the day, I'm going to make them a nice cup of coffee or a cup of tea. And that's all fine. But again, all those little expenses kind of add up and add up and add up. And then the other thing that I um, 
periodically did. I never did this regularly, but every once in a while, I would have somebody come to my home to do in-person sales there. And I live in a small house um, and I have two kids, <laughs> still did at that point. And so it was always this like mad rush ahead of time to like get the house clean, get the kids situated so that they weren't interrupting us. And I had one pretty funny story in retrospect, although it was super stressful at the time where a client was at my house and my um, son kept coming, like getting out of bed and coming downstairs and making excuses to be awake. And so like, we'd be just about to land the plane on a sale. And then little Oliver would be like, mommy, I need a drink of water. I need this. And it was like, it was cute, but it was also totally like I was having to be two things at once. And it did not feel like I was able to be in the right headspace. So the, you know, where do you have your in-person sales is, is another piece of it that's kind of a painful thing. But when it comes to my true horror stories from in-person sales, it wasn't the expense. It wasn't the time. It was those situations where I just wanted to crawl between the floorboards and I couldn't. And they didn't happen often, but they definitely happened. So the first story that I could really call a horror story in my in-person sales time was a family that had a ton of money. Um, and I was pretty excited about what the potential sale was going to be there. The wife had hired me. It was actually um, a set of grandparents. So this was kind of an extended family session. So she was an older woman um, and she had hired me her their grown children and grandchildren were going to be in town and they wanted uh, photos made at their home. So I came and I did like a large family portrait and I did all the individual families. And I went back to the grandparents' house, which was in like a gated community. And it was a, you know, very large, beautiful, beautifully de decorated home. Like there was no question that these people had money. And I set up all my stuff and I did my spiel and the husband, grandfather person, had clearly not been part of the hiring decision process. She just called me and hired me. And as soon as we got to talking about products and pricing came up, he was like, whoa, 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 what? You charge what? And he started to laugh. And then he started to yell at his wife about you know, how could you hire somebody? This is ridiculous. We're being, you know, taken for a ride here. And I was mortified. Like I, first of all, had been completely transparent. You guys know that I am all about education. That has always been the case. This woman was very aware of what my prices were. And it was completely evident to me that it wasn't like I was taking food off their table by asking them to pay my prices. Um, and so I was in this situation where they ended up having, like, they had to leave the room and have a fight about, you know, well, she already took the pictures and they left town and what are we going to do, not buy them? And they came back in and the husband ended up leaving while she placed the order. And was she was apologetic. She was like, oh, I'm sorry. He's just being crazy. And that was fine. I mean, I appreciated that she blew that off. But... I have just never been so like that's not 
something that I'm interested in. I'm. <laughs> you guys have heard me talk about the fact that it is important to me that people understand what they're getting. And that's why. Like, I don't ever want to be in a situation like that where someone is not only um, put off by my prices, but willing to to say something like that at the point in time when they already have, like, I've already done the work. It's already there. So that was, um, <laughs> that was my first really bad in-person sales experience. And although that was the worst version of that, I definitely had other situations over time where similar things came up, whether it was a spouse who was um, upset because they didn't fully understand what the investment was going to be, or whether it was a set of grandparents. When I was doing um, wedding photography, uh, a I got a scathing letter from the mother of the bride who had not been any part of the hiring decision. She, you know, I had been hired by the bride and groom and I got this letter from the mother of the bride. So this wasn't an in-person sales thing, but talking about how she felt like I was price gouging. And thankfully I came to find out that she was doing that to all of the wedding vendors after the wedding, um, basically fishing for refunds, but it, you know, it didn't make me feel very good. So it's one thing to have that situation and be able to like take a deep breath and write an email when you've had a chance to like. Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that This Can't Be That Hard isn't the only podcast I host? Each month, my marketing director, Dana, and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called The Consistency Club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join the Consistency Club, where you get the extended version of the podcast along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, you can search for and subscribe to the Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscantbethathard.com slash club to sign up. Let your emotions settle, whatever. But to be put on the spot in person like that was um, was always really painful. And it ultimately led to me having really strict policies about, you know, everybody needs to sign the contract and all that sort of thing. But it it required that I take all these extra steps. Another similar situation arose. Actually, it arose in the same gated neighborhood. And I do not shoot there very often. So <laughs> the fact that these both happened there, I now have like PTSD about this neighborhood. So another wealthy family, we had done a session with the two of them and their only son. And um, they had both signed off on my pricing and the whole thing. So I, you know, I had learned my lesson. So I went to their house to do their sales session. And Despite the fact that the husband was aware of all of the prices, um, he went on to haggle with me or to try and um, barter or bargain with me on every single item that they were going to buy. Well, if we buy this, but what if we switch it with this? Or what if we buy these th these two things together? And he kept telling me that he was a very accomplished business person and in sales, I should be creating packages for them. And, you know, I appreciate that. But there was also this very 
clear power dynamic that he was trying to take care of or take advantage of. I was in his big home and I was trying to sell something and he was an older male, you know, who had a bunch of money and that was on full display all around us. And, you know, he had he knew better than I did what to do with my business. And, you know, I think back on these things and I get frustrated with them because I feel like it really taps into that, like, I mean, he was mansplaining me, basically, and I had to stand there and hold my ground, and his wife didn't say a word. I'm guessing that that's sort of the way that they rolled. Um, but it was it was humiliating and also, like, caused me to question myself and all this other stuff. And ultimately, I held my ground, which I'm grateful for, and they did place an order, and it was fine, but I never worked with them again. They never called me again. I wouldn't have worked with them if they did call me again. Um, you know, those are those... <laughs> Snake clients, if you've heard me talk about bluebirds and snakes, those are the kinds of snake clients that, especially early in your career, you are going to come across and they're going to be painful. It's just that sometimes if you're in person when that painful situation arises, it's even worse. And I feel like, you know, all of us have to interface with our clients at the point of the session. And I don't mind interfacing with clients. I enjoy being with people and I generally am pretty good about it. But, um, when you bring money into the situation, when it's the sale part, uh, tempers can get kind of rough. And if you're alone, <laughs> kind of on the front end of that conversation, sometimes you're going to get, you know, you're you're going to suffer the consequences. So those two stories in particular are uh, buried deep in my own crypt. But they're not all about people berating me or giving me a hard time. Um, another story that comes to mind when I think about why I don't do in-person sales anymore was a lovely couple who lived um, near me. We had lots of mutual friends and they um, contacted me about making photos of their son. We got together, we had a lovely session and I was super excited about the photos. They were really beautiful. Um, and this was when I had my studio and so they came in for their uh, for their sales session, and they watched their slideshow at the beginning. And um, not just I I hate to I feel like this has already had some like sexist <laughs> undertones in my in this episode, but oftentimes if I have a female and male couple. Um, when I was doing in-person sales, um, the woman might get teary-eyed and typically the man didn't. And in this situation, it was a husband and wife and they were both crying at the end of the um, slideshow, which isn't a bad thing. Like I, that oftentimes means that they love their photos. And so we turned the lights up and I very quickly realized this was not just the standard like, oh, these pictures are so beautiful, kind of quiet tears. I could see that something was wrong. And I was – my first thought was, oh, no, they don't like their pictures. And I love these pictures. And it comes out that they were <laughs> – they had told themselves that they were only going to spend – and I can't remember what it was, but it was quite a small budget. And they didn't have the budget – to spend more. They had had like a really serious conversation. They wanted me to take the photos, but they were only going to spend so much. And at that point, when I was doing in-person sales, it was all a la carte sales. So, you know, you could pretty quickly bump up your your spend to several hundred dollars up into the, you know, thousand, two thousand range. 
And so so they were crying because I guess they had had this like hard conversation about like, for sure, this is the only money that we can spend on this. And once they saw the pictures, they were like, uh-oh, what are we going to do? We can't afford to buy the pictures that we want to buy. And we did the sales session and they hemmed and hawed. I think it took three hours to narrow their images down to the ones that they wanted. And it was just, I could tell that like there was pain on their faces the whole time. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm the boss. I could just give them these photos. It'd be okay. Um, But, you know, that's not fair to my other clients. It's not really fair to me. It put me in a horrible corner kind of position where I couldn't, I felt like I didn't have a good way out. I wished that we could go back and be like, I guess you shouldn't have hired me in the first place. This budget wasn't big enough for for you to um, to really get much from me. So they ended up with a few prints and then they appealed to their parents and got some more when it came time for the holidays. So it wasn't, it didn't have a horrible ending to the story, but I felt sick to my stomach when we were actually going through the sales session. I felt like a mean person. And that is never the position that you want to be in when it's your business and you're, you know, supposed to be providing someone with something that they love. And then the final story that I have um, only happened once, which is actually kind of surprising, but it was a couple that I worked with who um, had a four-year-old and then they had a set of triplets. And I went to their home, um, and again, this was like a very nice house. Many of my um, – some of you may know this. My prices now are actually significantly lower than they were when I first started out. Um, part of that is because I was doing in-person sales and because it cost a lot more. <laughs> and then part of it is because I have sort of realized that I enjoy working with um, the – sort of my ideal Bluebird client, the people who light me up the most and the people that I feel like appreciate my work the most come in at a different price range than the people that I that were willing to pay my prices when I first started out. So a lot of my clients were on the on the wealthier end, especially in the early years of my career. And this um, couple with triplets was no exception. They lived in a pretty fancy house. Um, and I went to their house and I did photos of these triplets. It's the only time in my entire career that I've had a chance to photograph triplets. It was super fun. I made photos that I was very excited about. And um, and I never got them to schedule their appointment. We never had a sales session. And as far as I know, they have never seen their photo. I Well, that's not true. I did a blog post about their photos way back in the day when I was blogging all my sessions um, so they probably saw them there, but that was it. Um, they It wasn't even like they weren't happy with me or anything else. I got a couple of emails from them sporadically, and they were like, yeah, 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 we're going to get around to it. But the best that I can assume, the best that I can guess is that they got – when I went to do their photos, um, I think her parents were in town helping them, and you know they had more help, and I guess they had, weren't totally behind on sleep. But they um, – And then the parents left and something like ordering photographs or setting up time to meet with someone to order photographs just wasn't in the cards for them anymore. So to this day, I wonder if I'm ever going to hear from them. I have those photos on a hard drive somewhere, assuming they're not corrupted at this point. 
And I figure those triplets are 10 years old now, nine, 10 years old. (laughs) And I would love for them to call me up and say, hey, we're ready to have our in-person session, our in-person ordering session, at which point I'd be like, here's an online gallery, (laughs) go nuts. Um, But it was, uh, it was awful. I felt terrible. And I, you know, it, I listen to people, I talk to other photographers all the time who struggle with the idea of not selling all the digital files. And I don't mind not selling all the digital files. I don't mind if people don't end up with all of the photos from our session, but I certainly don't want them to never even see the photos from their session or never get anything from the session. So the way that I have it set up now with Simple Sales, I feel like all the education is done. The communication is done. They have the opportunity to see the slideshow and sort of have that experience. They can do it on their own time. It doesn't cost me any time. It doesn't cost me any money. And then if they want to have a fight about the money that they're going to spend on it, at least I don't have to sit there and be like the awkward third-party <laughs> witness. Oh, anyway, sorry, you guys. This is a really informal podcast episode, and I know I don't have any like Here's your takeaway homework for the week. But again, it is late October for me as well. This is a tough time of year. So I figured I would just entertain you a little bit with stories of my own um, misadventures in photography. And, you know, if you are doing in-person sales currently and any of these stories resonate with you, if you can relate and uh, and or if you haven't had these experiences, but you can imagine how painful they might be and you're interested, you should go over to thiscan'tbethathard.com slash simple and I'll link it in the show notes and uh, take my masterclass. I teach all about how I run sales these days in a way that works a lot better for me in every possible way and in, avoids all of these sort of horror stories because I didn't want to do them anymore. Um, Same thing if you are considering in-person sales and you want to know about an alternative. I call it simple sales and you can hear all about it over at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash simple. But in the meantime, I hope all of you have a spooktacular weekend. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.